Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It takes a pandemic. Okay, you fill in the rest. For instance, it takes a pandemic for me to finally clean out my desk. It takes a pandemic to start reading that pile of New Yorkers. Uh, It takes a pandemic for me to finally learn to bake. Well, for audiences of live performance, it takes a pandemic to cherish our actors and musicians. With our great jazz venues and theaters closed, live performance has stopped. But actors and musicians continue to create. They have to. It's who they are. For this Hunker Down podcast, I talk with these artists who perform for a living about how social distancing is affecting their work now and when this is all over. About their dedication to the art of live performance. The Shrill Collective is a musical and theater group of six women who write and perform music and produce, direct, and act in plays to raise money and awareness about social and economic issues. Their goal is to give women and non-binary artists a platform to share their artistic perspectives. I spoke with three members of the Shrill Collective. Chelsea Feltman had been on our other podcast, Bar Crawl Radio Number 85, talking about the collective. Chelsea is trained in opera at Juilliard and is a teaching artist in New York City public schools. Christina Cole is an actor, director, and writer, an L.A. native, and Christina has appeared in Billions and Parenthood and The Blacklist. And Linda DeFury hails from New Jersey, grew up in Las Vegas. She has produced two albums of her piano-driven pop songs and was almost on a cruise ship with Kinky Boots. Almost. We'll hear more about that later. So, I mean, the first thing I'd like to know is how you all feeling. What's the emotional state now, now that we're uh, about two weeks into a lockdown or, you know? Yeah, just shy. Mm -hmm. I'm on day 17 of myself quarantining. Chels, aren't you on the same day as me? And this is Linda. I'm Linda. Hello. Hi. I honestly have to look at a calendar to remember when, but I think I came three. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm over two weeks now. Um, I, I came back from a tour with the band that I perform with and we ended the tour early and just kind of immediately got into our apartments and, and began isolating before it was sort of the, the official edict of the land right so and, and, and that, yeah. that was that was chelsea speaking just then but uh the, <laughs> the okay. tour uh where had you gone on this tour uh we were in we had been in uh upstate new york in saratoga in um burlington vermont uh western massachusetts and we were we were uh spending a few days off near uh uh, somewhere in upstate New York on the way to Montreal and our next show was going to be in Montreal and uh, everything sort of started to 
to kind of come to a head at that point. And before the shows were canceled, we felt kind of uncomfortable with trying to leave the country and come back. Uh, and then within 24 hours, the decision was made for us and every venue had canceled everything. So we, we hurried and stopped at a price chopper in Saratoga Springs and uh, I stocked up on toilet paper and cat food and came back that same night. Well, I, and, and up to that point, you've been having good crowds. Oh, excellent crowds. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you, and you were booked, there was... you were booked for several more shows. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so now, now you're, you're all on hold. Christina, how are you? Um, you know, I think I'm in a similar state as most people. Uh, I think we're all finding that, um, middle ground between fortitude and (laughs) fear. Truth be told, I feel like (laughs) that's I like that fortitude and fear. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like the real battle every day. Uh, I've been laughing with these women a lot. Thank heavens that we live in the 21st century. Um, you know, I think often about the Spanish flu and I live in Park Slope and, and the buildings around here are, you know, have seen so many things. And I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the fact that I'm so deeply fortunate to have access to FaceTiming my friends and my loved ones and my colleagues. But um, yeah, in a similar way as Chelsea, I I'm on day 20. My husband is on day 23 of social distancing purely like we we sort of in a strange turn of luck um my husband came back from a trip in arizona with just a a sinus infection a cold and because people were feeling so sensitive already he had started to stay home i had also caught it so we were we were just practicing general new york politeness of stay home if you have a cold and um and it's, you know, we're really walking now into, I think, the the more difficult period of being, we're, my husband and I are both from Los Angeles. We're 3,000 miles away from our families. And, you know, I think on the best of days, that's tough. It's really hard now. And it's, it's certainly been a complicated time to create and to feel creative. Um, and at the same time, you know, love in the time of COVID is very real. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I want to get into how you're being creative a little bit later in the conversation. But Linda, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm on day 17. Um, it's interesting I, that you all know the day. I don't know the day we started. So 17 is the day. I am a, a person who keeps track of things. I love a detail. Um, yeah. I've got it marked in my calendar. More also for my sanity as well, just to have that marker. Um, how long I was do you think this calendar is going to go on? How long is this going to go on? How far in the future do you think you'll be marking off this calendar? I don't know. (laughs) I've been marking off my period for uh, 15 years now, so I think (laughs) I can keep going. Yeah. I was supposed to leave two and a half weeks ago to go do a cruise ship contract. I I was going to be in Kinky Boots on Norwegian Cruise Line, and we were going to rehearse Florida, then be on the ship from end of April through September. And they told us, yes, two Fridays ago that we were postponed until um, a certain date that hasn't happened yet. And they've been checking in with us, letting us know, you know, as we get more information, this is an unprecedented time where, you know, and safety is the priority of our crew and our, um, our passengers. 
But um, I was rearing up to be out of town and was packing up my apartment and doing all these things. So in a way, I, uh, you know, I, we none of us have work to go to anyways at this time. Um, you know, Chelsea and I both work in public schools as teaching artists. And, and so we're just kind of... Uh, we're still able to make art. I'm still able to teach from home, but there's a lot of downtime, which, you know, I think three of us share this, that we're very active uh, doers and people. We love being out and about in the city, connecting with our community. So it's been such a, a change of pace and mode um, to adjust to. And sometimes that's frustrating. And sometimes that's kind of a, maybe it's a blessing in disguise to check in with with how we're being on a regular basis and what we can bring into our life post this time. But to answer that question, I'm all right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. A, a short answer to that. It must have felt awful. You're getting ready to go off on this cruise, and it's a working cruise, which to me is, makes it even better. Uh, yes. And, and, then, and then it's just kind of pulled out from under you. It's, it's a story that I'm hearing from other artists, too, is this kind of, I mean, and Chelsea, you, you had something and, and now that must just feel awful that you, I mean, you don't have the money that you were expected to get. It's just not there anymore. And who knows when it's going to be there again, especially cruises. Yeah, it's, I think it's, to be honest, I don't think I've quite fully let myself feel that, that loss yet, because in my mind, maybe it will happen just a little bit further down the line. Um, I'm trying to keep a little bit of positivity and hopefulness that, you know, I will get to do that job. And I guess on that note, like as artists and people in this business, this is kind of like what happens all the time, a little bit of like, you never know when a job is going to happen or if it doesn't go through. I mean, we've, I've been in readings or shows that don't happen because they didn't get the funding. So for whatever reason, you have to have that sort of adaptability. It's just this time it's this this major yeah, um, yeah and I, I think yeah. that if people uh, for me personally a lot of people who are not in the arts have been asking me like there's there's this kind of sudden curiosity and I'm glad yeah. that it seems to have penetrated the mainstream that people are wondering how we survive because it's right. true it's always precarious there's always very little protection there's always like what if I get sick what if they have to replace me we are often doing this with no guarantee that, that, you know, as Linda said, things get dropped from seasons, things, people get replaced. So this is, then it's not that unusual for you as an artist, as a singer, as a musician. I think it's an musician. unusual set of circumstances. It's but an unusual is... time where it's happening to everyone at the same time for I, like an un, uh, unknowable period of time. Um, but in a but, way, it's a great equalizer. It's yeah. the first time we're seeing for lack of a better word, like, a, you know, the plebeians, the muggles of the world who don't uh, have 15 side hustles or gigs and are jumping from audition to audition and reading to reading. Um, they are, for the first time, I think, like Chell said, really turning to artists and asking, how do you do this all the time? I, I've had more friends who have asked how to file for unemployment, which is not a proud <laughs> thing to say as an artist, like, oh, I got you, girl, don't worry. But there is a sense of, for the first time, so many people are turning to artists for not just pra like practical advice, but also their sanity. Everyone is turning to music, to Netflix or Amazon, their favorite films, their favorite television, their favorite books right now. And I think it's a really, um, 
uh, like a moment for artists to shine as as valuable parts of this world. Right, so much not more than just we're for what given. we provide creatively, but to say like, hey, we want to create these things to make life more meaningful for you, but you need to realize that we're we're often creating them with no financial compensation or safety with no net. with no safety net. And I I think a lot of artists are using this time to say like, look, this this is what happens. And we need a better, you know, as I was talking to my husband, who's a, a cellist, and we both work in the in the classical performance world. And you can, you learn music for months before a performance. No one pays you for that time. I, I have a, I had a gig that was canceled out in Portland in the spring. And it's a really difficult piece that I've been learning for months. And it was canceled. And I, I'm not going to see a dime for the hours I spent at home learning that music and getting ready. And that's just kind of the reality of it you know you don't go paid for learning your lines at home before you show up to shoot and so that's just time that's lost that we don't get any kind of any kind of well it's not lost you are you are you're in, in a sense in, in enjoying yourself you're investing in your art and all but it seems like this is a particularly what you what you three ladies are talking about is a, a usian experience and i'm using the word usian rather mm. than american because it's U.S. population. Yes. Me- Mexicans are Americans. Canadians are Americans. Mm. We're Usians. And I mm. think it, it's an appropriate word. I'm trying to get into the lexicon because Usians mm. use people. And that's what, you know, many, many of us do that. But it seems like that experience you're having is a uniquely Usian experience that in other countries, the artists are supported. Here, here you're not. I think, and I mean, of course, no, no doubt about the fact that, of, uh, of course, these pay dividends to ourselves, and you know, it's it's putting the artistic money back in your own reservoir and bank. Sure, 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 and that <laughs> that's not to be overlooked. Absolutely, but uh, you know, learning my lines doesn't pay my rent, and I think that there's a real pragmatic and economic side to all of this that artists are often expected to survive off of, um, you know, the, the words of Walt Whitman coming off their tongue. And that's just <laughs> simply not real, you know, that, that may feed me on my soul level, but it's certainly not going to pay for my groceries. And I think that bringing those two things together um, can really transform the way we see artists in our community in general and the way that they affect the community. Because this idea of a tortured artist surviving on art alone is obscene. And yet and, we expect the artist to continue to produce because we need you. And you've just right. said before, is like now in this, in this moment of tragedy that we're all living through, we turn to those really good shows and the really great performances and we're going to hear you all recite something later and it, you know, whether it uplifts us or it shows us something, it's something that we yearn for as, as a, you know, audience, we, we're an audience, we need the artist and yet we don't, I don't know, we don't support the I, art. I was just going to say, I think it's, you know, I at no point want to make, uh, any light of like what a great opportunity this time is because I think so many people are are in the deepest suffering they will ever be in and their families are struggling and they are personally struggling. But I think that it would be a missed opportunity for those of us who are not struggling at that level to not attempt to champion artists and people who are not in that position. 
at this time. And I think it's such a, a, a great opportunity for artists to be speaking out, to be offering up and sharing um, their voices and their creations and creativity. But I also think it's a great and, and um, ripe time for us to be having these conversations and really asking people to answer for what they think we should be surviving on, if that makes sense. No, it does. But how do you do that? How do you, how do you, cre- how do you create that narrative or that questioning or that dialogue? I know I mean, we're trying domination. to do it here. World domination. Okay. <laughs> Ho- hopefully by women and not men, because we really yeah. fucked it up. Chelsea <laughs> yeah. or Linda, do you want to? I mean, I think we have to have these conversations. I think I'm taking every opportunity to be really frank about it with everyone who asks me how I'm doing. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Alan, I was on another of your podcasts. And we were talking about making art as resistance in the Trump era. And that's Bar and Crawl Radio, number 85. Bar Crawl Radio. Number 85. So yeah. everyone can and, hear that. Oh, where was I going with that? I completely lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, I'm the senior here, not you. <laughs> it, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. My brain is atrophying every day. I'm alone in this house. Okay. Oh, I was going to say. Way, Linda, I, Linda I wants to say something. As an artist, uh, in this time, anyway, we've all become more accustomed to writing our representatives and calling and emailing and getting behind causes and signing petitions. And I've seen a lot more artists starting to do that in very real economic. Things. I'm, I'm part of the, the local 802, the Musicians Union, and they I've rarely seen people call upon them. You know, we kind of have this sort of complacent attitude towards them, like, yeah, they exist, they don't do very much for us, but no offense. But I've seen people really <laughs> utilizing that and really um, calling upon the union to, to do what they're supposed to do. And for us to use this this strength in numbers and, and to, you know, I've seen a lot of artists campaigning for a rent freeze, a lot of artists campaigning for, you know, UBI. Um, and I, I think that, you know, in a way that we've all, as we discussed earlier, we've all been woken up to these kinds of issues already. A lot of people in the arts, I think are specifically now making the connection that, you know, we, we've never made art under any other kind of circumstances. We never made art in a, in a country like Germany that funds, so much money to the performing arts out of tax dollars. Mm -hmm. And I think we're looking at all of these systemic problems that are suddenly really exposed and realizing that perhaps we deserve to make art under better circumstances and we, we deserve to have our profession treated like a profession. Well, and, and, and the Shrill Collective is well set up for that kind of protest because that's what you do. Let's talk about the Shrill Collective uh, where where you were and where you're going, you uh, five or six of you of um, mm. angry women, <laughs> angry young women, right? You're proactive women. Proactive women. All right, <laughs> yeah. identify yourselves. Don't don't let this guy tell you who you are. <laughs> um, yeah, you you are out there um, doing plays uh, in order to change, make social positive social changes, and you've been pretty successful at it. Yes. Yeah, and I now you so. and yeah. now are you stopped? Or are you still working? Are you still doing something in so, this? One of the great gifts is um, because of our company and Chelsea is our our CFO, and she has kept us in incredibly good shape. Even and now, when this first happened, pardon. Even now, I even mean, now. You, you're staying I mean, in we, connection with each other. 
Yes, very much so. Um, But we, um, one of the first two things we did was we've been in the process of incubating a new musical about um, the women who inspired and often were lovers of Pablo Picasso. And we've been incubating that for over a year now. And um, we had just signed on a writer for the book. And the first day we all um, immediately got onto our our work channels, our Slack channels, if you will. And um, we were like, we need to pay these women up front instead of at the end when they deliver their work. It's just more important to us. And the very first day we immediately um, gave them their payment uh, in advance with, you know, some some good faith uh essentially contracts in place, but what we really wanted to make sure was that the artists had not only incentive, but had money to finance their lives because all of us were deeply affected by that. And the fact that we could, that was huge. And then we also made sure to start um, biweekly meetings on uh, Skype and Zoom and Google Hangout for our greater community. And Linda, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, we had a big 2020 planning meeting in January and our goals this year were to continue incubating and um, moving towards production in some capacity, whether that was a more um, like an industry reading or a scaled down production of the Picasso piece. And then also to continue building our community. We've had such supportive audiences the last three years and writers and actors and artists and um, just people who've come to be part of our circle and this year, we really wanted to make sure that we were giving them the opportunity to like let their voices be heard in their art, even if it wasn't being one of our main productions. And so our plans were to have these in-person uh, monthly readings, and we call it readings and meetings was a, a tentative title. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, very original. Uh, but we've, we've been able to continue that just in a different way. And you know, it was, we got into discussion very quickly when we realized, you know, we're going to be in this situation for more than a few weeks that we want to continue to create that space for our community to make art if they want to and share it. But there is no pressure to be pumping out your next novel or your play or your album. This is, you do not have to feel pressured at this time to be doing that. If you just needed a space to talk about how you're feeling that day or, or to, be if you want to be held accountable to a goal this week or anything we just want to continue to be that space for our community so we're going into we've done two weeks now of yeah um we have happy hour on tuesdays at 5 30 and we have a community support group every thursday morning at 10 a.m and um if you're on our email list you'll get sent the links to meet those to join those Google Hangouts. And we've had um, different people pop in each week. Some, we have some staple returning members, but the conversations have been real and inspiring. And also like you feel really heard and seen. And for me, like I really thrive on, you know, being with my friends and, and talking and having that social interaction. So for me personally, I've really, um, I've needed them and I've been so happy to be a part of them and, and to provide that space. But in a way, we're still kind of on track with our shrill year. It's just looking a little different than how we planned it to be. Yeah, Christina <laughs> yeah. just knocked her head twice. I did. Knock on wood. <laughs> I mean, I want to I wanna make sure that we can do anything and everything we can to support the artists in our greater community. And whether that's like on a, again, like on a financial level, being able to pay our artists immediately um, and, and help them to 
finance their lives to create art, but also to discuss what it is to be an artist right now. I mean, in the very same way we're doing on this podcast, we had a very, very interesting discussion on Thursday morning with our our group. And we often at the Shrill Collective discuss language and how incredibly important linguistics are and how linguistics in this time particularly are constantly changing and evolving so rapidly. And Chelsea really brought it to our attention of like, we would ask, what do you want to do this week? And again, that's such a, as you said, a UCN thing. What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to accomplish? Like capitalism at its finest. And Chelsea came in really honest and real and everyone does and just said like, I can't today. I cannot do this today. My heart cannot do. And I don't know how to do in this time. And I think it really allowed all of us to say like, yeah, I don't know how to do in this time right now either. And we workshop the language within our group. And now our new question is, how do you want to be with yourself this week? Yeah. Yeah. And really starting to transform the language in which we're using to discuss this time, being an artist in this time, being, I mean, frankly, being a human being in this time, relating to one another. And I think that's like the best thing we can do right now. And yes, heaven willing, we we continue on this season that we have. We We make a musical that has, you know, five new songs by the end of this calendar year. That would be thrilling with a book. And I'm I'm so proud of that work. But I think above all, it's about supporting our artistic community, making sure that the artists around us feel fulfilled, feel safe, feel like they have a safety net within our community as well. Right. Because as, as much as it's amazing to have all this extra time, it's also important to remember that we're also going through extraordinary strain and we're people that use our imaginations and our emotions and our sensitivities to make things. And we're just kind of overloaded a lot of the time and it's okay to not be able to make anything right, right now. The thing that I am best at, I am good at my job because I, I create fake memories and have a deeply vivid imagination. <laughs> right. You know, what's a part of my language, but what's a fucking nightmare in the middle of a pandemic is the ability to have a vivid imagination. <laughs> yeah. Well, go, go to the bright side, not the dark side. Because Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. There's so finding so, new ways to manage all that is important. There's so many ideas that you three just kind of like just spewed out just now. It's like I we can go down any line. I mean, one, the idea that the artist is taken advantage of and you're not taking advantage of the artist, that this is a positive time, but yet we have to form it uh, in, in, in a way that, that works and that we can look at it positive. But at the same time, as Chelsea pointed out, we have to be kind of our own therapist and say, mm. this is what I'm feeling right now. And it's like, I just can't work. I just need to, can you help me with the language? I mean, all of those ideas are just fantastic. Um, this, this Google Hangout, is anyone invited? And how could they be if they are? Everyone's invited. And if you visit our website, theshrillcollective.com, um, I put it on our homepage. There's a link that says community support group. It'll take you to a page where it has all the info. Um, and there's, you just have to be on our email list because that's how I found the easiest way to get the information to a mass group of people. Um, so if you are on our email list, you will get an email every Tuesday and Thursday with the invite to join. And that's all you have to do. You can come and go as you please. Uh, I was going to say LinkedIn there as well. We've been um, compiling uh, a Google Doc that's accessible to anyone uh, in that in that forum that has um, links. It's on the website, uh, but it has links to 
free workouts, free meditation, uh, any kind of free entertainment. Um, some, I believe we have a few links to assorted, uh, government help or anyone that is offering resources to artists, artist assistants, um, book lists. I mean, people are just adding things in there that feel like, like a resource to help. And anyone is welcome to join that and look in on it, um, add things to it. Um, that's been something that I think we, we're just trying to provide whatever we can. I mean, as you're saying, this is a moment of duality and it's really finding the balance between we have so much time and we've got to, you know, why not utilize that time? And also how do I continue when everything I know is flipped upside down essentially? So I think really finding that middle way, finding a way to live in that duality is, is part of the practice right now. We're in, we're in a corona culture right now. I think it could be, it's terrible. It's just awful. But in a way, it's wondrous. Mm. Um, I mean, the way you all are talking, it is an opportunity to rethink who we are as museums and as artists and, 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 and all that. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to feel like, you know, when we're done with this, there is going to be kind of a sense of loss that we don't have this moment of just being with ourselves this way. Mm. And, you know, without life kind of impinging and work impinging. And we're now in a kind of magical place that hopefully no one dies. But, uh, I mean, I'm getting from you. It's like this, this is an opportunity. I think it's certainly an opportunity for mass cultural change, especially as New Yorkers, we are, I, I mean, all three of us thrive on the, I'm so busy, you know, nothing makes me feel like a more yep. valuable human being than when someone says, how are you? And my answer gets to be like, oh, so busy. Yep. And I think that's, it's really the first time of having to check, like, what do I do because I want to, and what do I do because I feel that it's valued by like a capitalist patriarchal society run by (laughs) wealthy old white men. Yeah. It certainly made me reevaluate how I structure my life and how little for me commuting to and from students and schools where I teach takes up probably more of my day than the teaching itself. And uh, a lot of artists, myself and Linda are, are in a very uh, big company of artists that teach and, um, it's really striking to me how much I, how much of that time doesn't pay off for me. How much of that time is just, it's not compensated. It's draining. It's tiring. It's terrible to be on the subway or the bus. And it's really made me think like when this is over, how can I restructure my life so that I am still working and paying the bills and that I'm not running around so much? To, you know, to put it very simply. Yes. Yeah, it's been a big check-in of, you know, when everything's kind of neutral and you have this day where you can do what you want, you're and you're really tuning in and listening to yourself of, like, what actually is bringing you joy and what are the things that you tell yourself brings you joy? So just because it's what you've been doing, it's been in your schedule, it's, you know, I'm a big iCal person and I put everything in my iCal and that's my week and that's what I'm doing. And right now I wake up and I have maybe two things that I feel like I want to do, but if I don't feel like doing it today, I will not. And I've not operated like that. 
I think ever in my entire life. So in a way it's been a, it's been a great check-in, you know, with my work, you know, I still feel called to teach. I still feel called to write when I feel like it, but it's not on a deadline or a timeline or because I have to pay my bills. It's because I want to. And so I think that this will be a, a big time for people to check in with themselves about what brings them joy and what serves them. And, and what is, we, what is ego? I think that's been a big conversation for our community. I know for myself is, you know, our egos are constantly filled by these things. And as an actor, I, I, I feel good about my auditions, my callbacks, my bookings, that gives me a sense of purpose and a sense of validation. And now not only is that gone, it's gone for ostensibly the foreseeable future. And I had to really sit with myself and say like, well, what, is, what am I, if I'm an actor, am I a good actor if I am not auditioning? Which is a question so many performers have to ask themselves regularly anyways. But now it's that real moment of like really sitting down with like, what is my ego and what is my drive and what is the id mm -hmm. and what is my passion? And I think that it's, it's going to be tricky. It's this, this has stripped a lot of us away from the things that we felt made us who we are. And we're really now having to sit down with sort of that like gooey, gross inside who we <laughs> actually are. And well, it's complicated, but in, in, incredible in, its, in, in this very unique, strange, surreal moment. Yeah. You promised us a reading of something. And I, 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 look, I look forward. Well, so why, why doesn't someone introduce what it is that you're going to read? Great. Right. Um, this is uh, an excerpt from Songs from Below by Philippe Jacotet. And we're going to each read a little bit of it for you. Thank you. It's easy to talk. And writing words on the page doesn't involve much risk as a general rule. You might as well be knitting late at night in a warm room in a soft, treacherous light. The words are all written in the same ink. Flower and fear are nearly the same, for example, and I could scrawl blood on the length of the page without splashing the paper or hurting myself at all. After a while, it gets you down, this game. You no longer know what it was you set out to achieve. Instead of exposing yourself to life and doing something useful with your hands, that's when you can't escape. When pain is a figure tearing the fog that shrouds you, striking away the obstacles one by one, covering the swiftly decreasing distance, now so close you can make out nothing but his mug wider than the sky. To speak is to lie, or worse, a craven insult to grief or a waste of the little time and energy at our disposal. Might there be things which lend themselves more readily to words? and live with them. Those glad moments, gladly found in poems, light that releases words as if erasing them, while other things resist them, change them, destroy them even, as if language resisted death, or rather, as if death consumed even the words. And thank you, New York City Emergency, Sorry, we little salute our healthcare workers. Em Listen, they were our bongos. They got it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think what what music I want to put behind that. So may, maybe some bongos, Ooh. maybe a little like from like from like from Birdman, like like the Birdman uh, drums. Yeah, yeah. 
Chelsea Feltman, Christina Cole, Linda DeFuria, Furia? Fury. Like Fury, like rage. Fury. <laughs> and Linda DeFury, well named. Yeah. Thank you so much. Three of the Shrill Collective performers. It's been so great having you on Hunker Down. We, we, we got to check in again. We're going to be here for a while. So, you know, I think maybe like in a month, maybe we could check in with you again and see see how you're doing. Oh, woof, and, a month. <laughs> well, it's going to be, at least, be at least that <laughs> yeah. and see how, how your um, Picasso project is going. Do you have a name for it? No, it's currently the Untitled Women of Picasso. Excellent, excellent. And then if anyone wants to check in with The Shrill Collective, check out their website, theshrillcollective.com, and uh, see the activities that they're having and the Google Hangout. And you have a chat once a week, twice a week? Twice, twice a week. Twice yeah. a week, Tuesdays. Tuesday and- evenings and Thursday mornings. Fantastic. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely check it out because I got the time to do it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see you there. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Alan. And now, how can I keep from singing from the Shrill Collective's production of Trifles? <laughs> 